And so at this time, if you're able, I invite you to stand with me. We stand as an act of reverence as we read and receive God's word as an act of worship. Hear now God's word. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be apportioned for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. You may be seated. And would you join me in prayer once more? Oh Lord, as we sit under your word today, would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, illumine our hearts. May these words fall upon fertile soil in our hearts as we long and as we thirst for you. In Jesus' name we pray. In the first Harry Potter book or movie for those who, for those who call yourselves fans but are not really, there's something called the Mirror of Erised. Upon looking into the mirror, Harry sees himself surrounded by his dead parents. Ron, Harry's friend, if you didn't know, sees himself as a great sports champion. This mirror, Dumbledore later tells Harry, shows nothing more or less than the deepest and most desperate desires of the heart of the person who would look into the mirror. You see, though this mirror is fictional, and doesn't actually exist, it points to an existential truth that exists in all of our hearts. Every single person has desire in their soul. Everyone longs for something and we seek to satisfy this deep longing in any way possible. And so if you looked into the mirror of Erised, what would you see? What true and desperate desires of your heart would be exposed? You see, this desire, this longing, this thirsting that is present in all of our souls is the, is the focus of our passage today. If you look in, our, in your Bibles to today's passage, you'll see that the psalm begins with a superscript, a sort of subtitle that goes along with the psalm. It reads, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Most biblical scholars believe that this psalm was probably written when David was forced to flee from Jerusalem, from his throne, and into the desert of Judah. And if you know your Old Testament history, this was the time when he was running away from his son, Absalom, who was after his life. And there are very few things I can think of worse than having your own son coming after you, wanting to murder you. 
And so you can imagine that for David, this was a time where it seemed that he might lose everything, his throne, his kingship, his reputation, and perhaps even his life. And you might think that in this time when he was quite literally in a desert season, David would have sung songs of lament or songs crying out for help from the Lord, crying out desperately. And yet we see something vastly different from our expectations. You see, far from complaining about his betrayal, David instead turns his heart to God and rejoices to know that the Lord is all that he needed for life and eternity. In the wilderness of his life, where does David look to be satisfied of the great thirst of his soul? You see, David finds no greater satisfaction in life than in God himself, whose steadfast love is better than life. And so that points us to our main point of meditation today. The desires of your soul are only satisfied by God. And what does this deep desire, this deep thirst, and the resulting eternal satisfaction in God look like? There are two questions that our passage points us to this morning. Two questions that, that as we go through this passage, that I, I, I want us to ask ourselves. The first is, do you earnestly desire God? And the second is, are you satisfied in Him? Are you satisfied in God? The first is, do you earnestly desire God? And the second, are you satisfied in Him? The first question we look at is, do you earnestly desire God? In the first line of the psalm, David declares, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. And at first glance, this may seem like a meaningless rep repetition. It, it may just seem like he's trying to flow with the song. He's, he's singing a song, so he may, he, it might look like he's saying, Oh God, you are my God. But you see, there's actually much beauty in David's declaration. Oh God, you are my God. David here is proclaiming in faith in God as his personal God. Yes, God is the living God, the creator of all things. But to David, he was also his God, who was intimately involved in his life. Think about it. If you have an intimate relationship with someone, they are yours. You call them yours. When you talk about a spouse or a family member or even a friend or even a close friend, you claim them to be yours. They are not just simply a husband or wife or the father or a mother or the friend, but rather they are my husband or wife. They are my father. They are my mother or my friend. When you declare someone as yours, you're claiming a personal relationship with that person. You know that person deeply. And so in the same way, David here is claiming that he has a personal relationship with the God of the universe. He knows that God is the creator of all things. He's the creator of the universe, but he has a personal and intimate relationship with, with the God of the universe. And David knew his God in an intimate and in a personal way. And so despite the sense of isolation that David feels, he remains committed in relationship with his God. And it is his God, this personal and intimate God that, the, that David desires and seeks after. We read in the rest of verse 1, Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, 
my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I, I went on a hike recently and at the trailhead. Um, it was this past summer and at the trailhead, there was a sign warning of the difficulty of the hike. It was, it was a fairly steep hike. And in big, bold letters, it said, bring extra water. I, and I, not heeding the warning and uh, probably overestimating my physical ability, believed that one small bottle, um, I remember it exactly, it was a Kirkland bottle of water. I thought that that would be enough. Long story short, about halfway up the hike, about halfway up the mountain, I had finished the entire bottle and found myself without water for the rest of the way up and the rest of the way down. And as I hiked back down, I understood why that sign was there as I struggled down the mountain in the heat of the day, thirsting and searching for any source of water. They say that the human body is 60% water. I genuinely thought I had lost all of it. And so in a similar way, David likens his desire and his search to a thirsting and a fainting in a dry and weary land. And you see, David is not simply imagining this feeling of thirst in a dry land. He's not sitting on his throne imagining what this, what this thirst would feel like. No, as he sings this song, he's quite literally experiencing the very thing that he's singing about. He looks out onto the land and he sees that he's in a wilderness. He's in a desert. There's no water. And so David first-handedly understands the great importance of water and finding any source, any source of water. He knows what it's like to desperately thirst and search. And so with that same desperation, the desperation of someone traveling through the desert, searching for water, David seeks after God. David desires after God. He thirsts and faints after him his flesh and soul, all that is within him, so earnestly searches for God. And he longs after God, not as seeking out some kind of stranger or some kind of deity in the sky, but with the eagerness of a friend, the eagerness of a lover, for he so eagerly wants to be in touch with the one that he holds so dearly. And this desire continues in verse two, where David writes, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. David, in his longing for God, longs for God in the sanctuary, in the very place where God is worshiped and seeks to behold, seeks to marvel at the power and the glory of God. You see, David longs to be in the place of worship he longs to be in the very presence of God. He remembers being in God's sanctuary in his worship and so longs, even in the wilderness, to be in God's presence and to behold his power and his glory. Does this describe your experience? Do you seek after and desire God in the ways that the psalmist does? Do you desire God with the eagerness that David does? Do you desire after his presence in the same way? 
But David doesn't stop at simply reflecting and reminding himself of these things. Verse 3 and 4 say, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. You see, for David, God's love, God's steadfast, never changing love was better than life itself. Stripped of all of his external comforts, David declares that God's unfailing love was all that really mattered. It was all that he desired. David so sought after and desired his God that he declared that God was better than life itself. His steadfast love was more precious than life itself. So much so that even if he were to die in that desert, even if he were to perish the next day, he has God's steadfast steadfast love, and that's far better than being alive. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said this, to dwell with God is better than life at its best, life at ease, in a palace, in wealth, in honor, in pleasure. Yea, a thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which abides in Jehovah's smile. In the wilderness of your life, in your search for answers, for security, for meaning, for significance, do you desire God or do your your desires lie elsewhere? Can you declare with the psalmist that you desire God's steadfast love more than your life, more than life itself? And so where do your desires lie? And for David, he knows the only way to satisfy this deep desire, the deep thirst and longing of his soul and flesh is found in God alone. He knows that he can find true satisfaction and delight in God alone. And ultimately, David knows that this desire, his longing, is not going to go on forever. He knows that his desire will be satisfied and his search will be ended. Which brings us to our second question. Are you satisfied in God? Are you satisfied in him? David describes the satisfaction as the psalm moves on. He describes the satisfaction that God gives. We read in verse 5, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. In the first stanza, David's heart is empty. His soul is dry. He He thirsts after and desires after the presence of God again. His physical strength is diminished apart from him. But now after reflecting, On God, after beholding his steadfast love, his power, and his glory, David is assured that his soul again will be satisfied. If you know me, one of my favorite foods, I think it is my favorite food, is pizza. To me, no food in this world will ever be as satisfying as a nice slice of New York pizza. And so think about the satisfaction that you get and the satisfaction that you get from eating your favorite food. Maybe it might be a nice medium rare steak. Maybe it might be a nice juicy burger. Maybe it might be a salad. Whatever it is, 
we likely all know what it means to be satisfied with fat and rich food. It's a feeling of comfort. It's a feeling of full satisfaction, a lack of any more want. When you eat your favorite food, what does that feel like to you? And this is the image, this is the very image that the psalmist points us to when he sings of the delight and satisfaction that God brings to his soul. For the soul finds no greater satisfaction than when it drinks deeply of the love of God. And the reason for his satisfaction, the reason for his great delight is found where, when the psalmist says, for you have been my help. Thinking about the present situation that David is facing, hiding in the desert because his son has betrayed him and stolen the throne from him. You may be tempted to ask, how has God been his help? How has God helped him? If God was really serious about being his help, David wouldn't have even been in the wilderness in the first place. Yet David even in the midst of the dry and weary land, recalls the past times that the Lord has been faithful to him, faithful to deliver him, and remembers that what God has done and how he has been his help. Which is why David can say that in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Because God has been his help and has faithfully delivered David countless times. He knows that the very shade of God, the very shade of the wings of God is sweet and satisfying. He knows that under the protective wing of God, he is able to hide from all fear, knowing that God has been, is, and will be his help. And in this, the psalmist finds that the full and complete satisfaction of his soul is found in God alone. So do you, as David does, find satisfaction in God whose love is better than life? Are you fully satisfied in God alone? Or do you find yourself seeking spiritual satisfaction in other places? Do you find yourself seeking it elsewhere? Maybe you find yourself seeking satisfaction in your career Maybe it's in your income or your financial status. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's on your comparison to the world, how you're doing compared to your friends. In your desire for satisfaction, what or perhaps who do you seek? Where do you turn to to satisfy the deep thirst of your soul? What are you chasing? What are you chasing after to truly satisfy? You see, when you find yourself seeking satisfaction in the things of this world and you're exhausted and weary from your pursuit, you will ultimately be left empty-handed and disappointed. But there is indeed a greater satisfaction than anything of this world. You see, for us, this great satisfaction that David writes about is realized through the work and person of Jesus Christ. For in Jesus, your soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. For Jesus is the only true satisfaction of the deep desires of your soul. 
You can sing to Jesus and praise him with joyful lips because he has been your help. In the shadow of his wings, you can be satisfied in him. In the precious face of Jesus, we can rest satisfied knowing that his love is better than life. In John 4, Jesus says to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus tells the woman that in her thirst, she will always have a source to draw from again and again and again. Every time her her soul thirsted and longed, she could indulge in the inexhaustible resources found in Christ alone, for he is the living water who fully satisfies. No longer did she need to look to other sources of water to temporarily quench her thirst, to quench her desire, for she had found the living water, Christ Jesus himself. So I ask you, what about you? Have you tasted and seen that Jesus is good and that he alone satisfies your deepest longing? Do you know that he is a spring of eternal life within us and that if you come to him, no matter your circumstances, you will fully and truly be satisfied? Do you live in light of this truth that Christ is the only one that gives full satisfaction? For in Christ, there is a spring of living water that never runs dry, for he gives the satisfaction that we all so desire and so long for. And when we drink of this water, with the psalmist, we can declare that our souls will be satisfied because we have no greater spiritual satisfaction and no greater delight. And in light of this, in light of this great and full satisfaction that Jesus gives, we can say with the psalmist that my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. You see, the psalmist, knowing that he will be satisfied by God alone, clings to him. This clinging brings about a sense of being firmly united, being tightly joined to something. You see, this clinging is actually the same word that is used throughout the Bible to describe the relationship between a husband and a wife. So you can imagine here that the psalmist means that his soul adheres to God. His soul clings to God surely and securely. And so in the same way, if if Jesus is the satisfaction of your soul's deepest desires, your soul will cling to him. Think about when you're in the car with someone who's not the best driver. You cling on to the handlebar for dear life because that's the only place of safety. There's nowhere else to grab. That's the only place you feel secure. You see, when we face times of trouble, when, what we cling on to, that is what, what we scramble to for safety, what we run to and what we turn to, what we cling on to reveals a lot about our hearts. And so if he is the endless joy of your life, your soul will cling to him. Cling to him because his love is indeed better than life. Cling to him for he is the only one who satisfies the deepest thirst of our souls. 
in the wilderness of your life, does your soul cling to Christ? You see, this clinging is not merely a one-sided affair. David says, your right hand upholds me. You see, it is God himself who makes this clinging possible through the firmness of his upholding grasp. The strength of our attachment is not to, the strength of our attachment to him is not based on how firmly or how securely or how strongly we cling on to him, but rather it is his right hand. It's the strength of his right hand that upholds us and strengthens us. One of my favorite worship songs says this, all the treasures of this world will never satisfy for you alone are endless joy. So I cling to Christ, but all my hope and peace is that you cling to me. It is not by our own will and strength that our souls cling, but rather it is by his very hand that upholds us. And we cling to him for he is the full satisfaction of the thirsts and desires of our soul. But where then do we get this assurance of satisfaction from? How can you be confident that God's full satisfaction is and will be yours? In the third and final section of our passage, David points us to this great confidence where he says that God will deliver him and save him from his enemies. David says, starting in verse 9, But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. Again, David is on the run. He's hiding in the wilderness. He's far from his protection, far from his armies, his palace isn't there, and yet he feels safe. He feels safe from those who are pursuing him, those who are seeking after his life, and he is confident in his satisfaction in God. He's confident that being satisfied in God means that he trusts in God's faithful hand to deliver him from his enemies. He's confident that the right hand of God will fully uphold him. If God is for him, who can be against him? You see, the confidence for the satisfaction that David sings about in the previous section is in, in fact, is in the very fact that in the end, David will be delivered and it will be God himself who delivers him from his enemies. God will satisfy the deepest desires of his soul and he can have confidence in that because God will surely deliver him from his enemies. And we too, we can be confident in the satisfaction of God for just as David's confidence was in knowing that God would defeat his enemies, our confidence is grounded in that very same reality. But David knew his enemies would be defeated for him. But for us, this reality is already true. For Jesus has gone and has delivered us from the greatest enemy and has fully satisfied our deepest need. The saving work of Christ satisfied all of the deepest desires of our heart by fully and completely delivering us from the greatest enemy of all. 
You see, God has satisfied our deepest need through Jesus Christ. For Jesus went to the cross. Jesus thirsted on the cross so that our thirst and our longing would be satisfied completely. In order for us to experience the very blessings, the satisfaction that, this, that the psalmist points to, Jesus went to the cross and experienced the very curses of this psalm. He went down into the depths of the earth. He was given over to the power of the sword. He became a portion for jackals. Jesus took on the curse of death so that we could experience the deep and full satisfaction of our souls. And through Christ, God demonstrates to us that it is not the strength of our clinging on to him, but it is his right hand that upholds us. He demonstrates to us that we do not need to look anywhere else or to anything else or to anyone else in order to satisfy our souls. For in Christ, all of our, our souls thirsting is fully satisfied. On the cross, Jesus experienced isolation and desolation beyond human comprehension in order that we might know the indescribable satisfaction of his steadfast love. And so our confidence that God will satisfy is firmly secure in Jesus Christ. And so to believe in the saving work of Jesus, perceiving the loving heart of the Father who sent him and the loving hands of the Savior who bore our sins is to be satisfied in the love of God in Jesus Christ. Friends, do you find yourselves in the wilderness of life, in the dry and weary land, seeking and thirsting? Seek the Lord once more. Turn again to a steadfast love that is better than life, which will satisfy your soul forever. Desire him earnestly. Thirst and faint after him. Turn once more to a steadfast love. Drink from the wellspring of internal life and you will thirst no more. Rest in the safety and the protection of his wings. Turn to Jesus, for he has gone before you. And desire him, cling to him, and be satisfied in him. For surely he has and he will deliver you. And you can rest assured that the desires of your soul will be fully satisfied by him alone. Pray with me now. Father in heaven, thank you that through this psalm, we are pointed more and more so beautifully to your love for us and what you've done for our sake. Lord, help our hearts desire after you more that we would seek and thirst and long after you as in a dry and weary land. And help us, Lord, to find satisfaction in you. Help us to find it in Christ, who is the wellspring of eternal life. That once we drink of it, we will never thirst again. So help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.